0: Pressure is mounting on business to prove it's seriously tackling the issue of carbon emissions and climate change. There's mounting concern about our ability to reduce carbon emissions and keep global warming to one and a half degrees above pre-industrial levels. The IPCC has warned time and again that businesses and the government must go further and much faster if we are to avoid the worst of the climate crisis. Seed brings a focus to the coalface issues that your business operations face on a daily basis. Everything they do is driven by what their member companies specifically need to improve. Seed is making its contribution representing its members by using collaborative peer-to-peer support, which is the core of its DNA. The Centre for Engineering, Education and Development Seed firmly believes by knowledge transfer, education and collaboration that challenges can be identified and solutions found. Well, hello, and welcome to the first in a limited series of podcasts from SEED, the Centre for Engineering Education and Development, in association with Topolitics and Innovate UK, finding material efficiencies in Waste Map. We are joined by a panel of experts today I have Michael Groves, the Chief Executive of Topolitics, Colin Kennedy, the Partner for Manufacturing at Zero Waste Scotland, Trev Gregory, the Chief Executive of Trade Right International and remotely Matt Thomas, the Category Manager for PPE in the NHS. I'm Scott Wilson and I'll be chairing this discussion and finding out a bit more about the circular economy. Colin, if I may start with you as the partner for manufacturing for Zero Waste Scotland. I'm assuming that's a Scottish Government funded organisation. Yes,
1: good morning, Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, We are funded by Scottish Government. Uh, My role uh, with Zero Waste Scotland is to support uh, SMEs and uh, larger companies transition from a linear business model to a circular business model. Uh, and we do that through a number of uh, different uh, tools that we have. Uh, we have uh, circular economy business support. We have some funding, uh, which is due, t- due to come to an end, um, and um, the interaction with uh, t- uh, stakeholders in order to support those companies. So what's um, to do, uh, lots of opportunities, and um, we will hear about... Uh,
0: right this morning as well so how do you actually choose partners companies we, we to work get, with
1: uh, we, get lots of, we get lots of referrals we get uh, direct um, requests as well to our website uh, partner referrals uh, some of them I identify myself because um, we Always looking out for opportunities. Um, generally, um, we uh, get um, inquiry. It would come in. Uh, we would have a look and see how that would fit in terms of the uh, some of the work that we've currently got uh, sort of tasked at the moment, um, and uh, reach out to that company, uh, have a discussion, find out what they're trying, what they're looking to do, and if, if there's something there, I'll go out and see them and uh, identify something we can we can help them out with
0: well let's speak to one of those partner companies or the, or the leader thereof trev gregory chief executive of trade right international uh, effectively i think if we to describe your company in a few words it's an everclyde social business would that be
2: yeah what what we've done is we <clears throat> uh, help to engage uh, people that are from a recovery background from a offending background uh, to, to get into employment and we do that through uh, making Initially, making natural skincare, but we've moved and diversified into hand sanitizer as well. And what made you make that move? We saw. Um, as, I mean, I'm from the charity sector for, uh, and for, spent many years, over thirty years there, and travelling around the world looking at different development programs and what was happening when money came to the end. What happened to those to those communities to those people?
0: And where did you first discover
2: the circular economy? I think, in a way. We fell into it. Um, uh, we ha- we were, I think in a way we were doing it but didn't know what the terminology was. And we didn't know the theory behind it. You know, when you look at a shear tree, for example, out in Africa, every part of that is used. This, You know, when they take the fruit, the fruit's used, the shell's used, every, every part. There is no waste. And one of the things that we've tried to install in what we were doing over here is to limit waste and to reuse as much as possible rather than just sending it to recycling um, because then that's out of our hands. But if we could reuse it in some way, then, then that would be good. And one of the things that we began looking at, we were sending 6,000 bottles to a hotel down in, down in England, uh, a month of toiletry bottles. And we thought it would be great if those bottles could come back to us, we could wash them, we could clean them, we could refill them and get them back out there. And that was the initial kernel of the idea of of changing our business to be more of a circular economy business.
0: There's also the the concern as to what previously happened to those bottles. And Michael, that's where you come in. Give us a, a bit of background on Topolitics. Where did you come up with the concept?
3: Yeah, interesting. You mentioned bottles and um, uh, international as well. I mean, I was working in Indonesia many years ago, 25 years ago, and I was auditing forest management. So I was running all over Southeast Asia, going into logging camps and checking on sustainable forest management. Of course, on one's occasional days off, one would go to wonderful beach in the sort of middle of, middle of nowhere, fantastic kind of pristine beach. But too often, you would find bottles or flip-flops that had been washed up. And it really you know, st- started that question, well, how did that material end up in this location? Well, clearly the tides, but it started its life somewhere. And that's really the basis of what we do at Topolitics. We're answering a question for companies that produce waste, and they generate lots of that material, lots of different types of material. It goes into a skip or a bin. It gets collected by somebody else. They comply with the law and then off it goes, but they have no idea what happens to it. So we're answering that question of what is happening to that material, because that's the first step towards starting to think, well, actually, does it have to be that way? Could we do something different? Could we reduce the amount of waste? Could we reuse some of that material? So, you know, if you're like moving it back into much more of a sort of circular model, as, 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 as Collins described, or could we make sure that that material is being properly handled and recycled and recovered. But it all starts with building that sort of visibility and that trust in terms of what's happening to all that material. And that's really what we're doing with Topolet.
0: Why should manufacturers care what happens once they've passed that skip of waste off to someone else? Like you say, it's a tick in a box. We're complying with the legislation. Aren't we great? Now, aside from having a social conscience, why should they care?
3: Well, if you think about it, if you're a big manufacturer with a sort of global operations, you're spending a lot of money on waste management. You'll be spending millions and millions of pounds on, on that stuff. So there's a whole cost attached to how that material is being handled in the first place. So there are opportunities to actually reduce the cost mm-hmm. um, through a whole series of, you know, sort of interventions in the, in the system. So reducing the material that's going in there in the first place is going to you know reduce your cost. So, so that's one thing, you know, th- those companies are also if they're a larger company will also be you know setting targets for themselves not just the, around legal targets but their own Corporate targets around net zero, for example, or around uh, sustainability, uh, and often those targets will include something that relates to kind of waste and recycling and those kind of things. So, th- so the question is, how do they validate that? Because if they're not really, if they're handing it over to a third party and then it's out of sight and out of mind, how do they then validate if they have set a targets? Say, well, none of that waste is going to go to landfill. <laughs> how do they know? Well, because they need to ask that question. So, so, so we're helping with that as well. So there's a whole kind of impact impact measurement uh, piece, and there's a whole reporting piece, cost efficiency, resource efficiency, uh, and then obviously there is a a kind of compliance piece as well, because the laws relating to materials and waste and, and around circular economy are starting to, to really bite now, not just in the UK, but internationally uh, as well. So obviously you've got things like a tax on, on plastics mm-hmm. in the UK and in Spain and, uh, and other countries. So, so there's a whole, whole basket of reasons why a manufacturer would want to address uh, or take another look at, at, at waste as something that actually uh, we, you know, we can do something about.
0: Trev, your story is one of collaboration and innovation. Give us a a, a relatively brief overview. Not too brief, because it's a great journey. Where does it all start and when did it start? Well, what... As in the, the... reusing the the washing yeah. of the bottles the hand sanitizer all
2: okay that. yeah I, I, october 2019 really we we had the idea as i say we were sending out six thousand bottles down to a hotel in, in england and we just had this idea can that can they come back can we wash them and so on we got in touch with zero waste scotland and in december of that sorry year,
0: to interrupt but was that inspired by the fact that it was costing you for i don't need to trivialize this but was there a a A problem with supply. Everybody suffers supply chain issues, but that surely was before
2: those. What we we noticed was, the, the actual inspiration was, we saw our own waste costs going up. And we sat there and thought, that hotel is placing those bottles into landfill. It must be costing them at least £100 a month to put them into a skip to get rid of them. If we could save them that £100 a month, or even if it was £50 a month that we could save them, then surely it's in their interest to return that bottle as if there was an economic tag to it and an economic saving. And that's really where it started. So we, we, we were undergoing at the time some consultancy uh, with uh, Scottish Enterprise, and they actually suggested to us when we talked about this idea get in touch with Zero Waste Scotland. And so we were introduced to Colin, and Colin came to visit us and... Uh, as I say, at this time, we didn't know the terminology. We just had this raw idea. We want that bottle back. We want it clean. We want to fill it and get it back out again. And uh, through Zero Waste, they set up a, a consultancy where they went away and to look at this idea. Is it feasible? How it, how can it be done? What technology would we need to, to wash the bottle? Uh, and so on and so on. And so that started in, in December 2019 and was due to report back in early April when the pandemic hit in the March and everything froze, the whole of life froze, apart from for us, because on the day that we went into lockdown, we got a phone call from Scottish Enterprise saying, would you join the uh, government uh, task force on uh, hand sanitizer and to be able to bottle uh, hand sanitizer for them? And we just said, yes, we've, we've lost all of our business. It's either that or furlough, and we thought this is a way that we could keep, we could keep going, and so we we joined this this task force. We were the only social enterprise, social business there. We were sat alongside very very large corporations and businesses from across Scotland. The desire of the Scottish government was to create uh, a, a, a supply chain from within Scotland. Uh, w- within just a few weeks, I think that was they they, they managed to do that, which was phenomenal. And we had the privilege to s- sit on that group. And uh, bef- pre-pandemic, we were bottling. We, we, our capacity was 2,000 bottles a day. Within two and a half, three weeks of the pandemic starting as being part of this group, we were bottling 15,000 bottles a day. We bought all of the bottling machines off eBay. We bought a <laughs> labelling machine <laughs> off eBay. And we just started
0: Colin, what made you get? Obviously, being I guess the the size Colin's business is was beneficial because they could react quicker. Was there not a a, a desire to get into bed with a, a multinational simply because they've already got the, the 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 machinery in place and surely they could move quicker?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, tre- Trevor had um, the vision to do. Um, recovering bottles and and, and the refill of bottles um, and uh, they are they were very capable of moving very quickly they obviously signed up to uh, the task force um, with the view of, of of supporting it um, y- yes you're right you, you you do well we do wonder why there wasn't any larger uh, um, organization step forward to do that um possibly because um, the same reason why there was that kind of silence when it was suggested we could wash the bottles, mainly because I guess we're thinking, can we do this? Um, you know, what are the challenges? Uh, um, is it going to get signed off? Uh, How do we? Rec- we were in the middle of the pandemic. Even getting the bottles back was actually part of the challenge. Getting them to the front door wasn't it? Um, I think that was so, uh, and it was always procurement was seen as a challenge. Um Trevor already had a procurement uh, a contract which obviously helped uh with that whole process um but the 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 what was seen as a, a barrier was procurement the barrier wasn't necessarily procurement it was more facilities management wasn't it really how once you've supplied the bottle how you were going to get it back, and then how you're going to get it back to the facility as well so um it, we we'd gone. Down the route with uh, looking at uh, how this was going to work, uh, we had the paperwork in terms of the numbers, um, uh, what the benefits would be. Um, they were so further forward than anyone else, um, so it was naturally going to be redeem exchange. Um, uh, it would have been it would have been great if we had there was loads of sanitizer. There was there wasn't a problem. They had so much sanitizer but nothing to put it in, um, and. Um, and, and I think a lot of people don't won't appreciate what what was going on at that point, um, probably for the best to some extent. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, the solution was there. We just need to prove it. the trial. it was more of a um, you had to, we had to demonstrate it was going to work. So small trial, see if it works, and it did, um, and it just expanded. Um, and Trevor was quick to move on it.
0: Let me bring in Matt Thomas, the Category Manager for PPE and the NHS. Matt, when this whole pandemic broke, how massive a challenge was it for someone in your position to find a reliable source?
4: For most of the products, we tried to use our existing suppliers. That was the first route we went down. When that became tricky, difficult or impossible, we then worked with Scottish Government and Scottish Enterprise to see if there's any ability to have support from domestic manufacturers. We've, um, over the course of the last, what is now nearly three years, um, done an awful lot to try and grow and support domestic manufacturing within Scotland. We've now got roughly half our PPE, of which we class um, hand sanitizer as part of that. Um, made in Scotland now, and that's we—that's the position we're trying to um, continue going forward.
0: And how important was it, or indeed was it important to you, to have this sanitizer actually made locally rather than introducing a massive carbon footprint from bringing it in from overseas? The
4: drive at the start was to get the product. Um, it didn't really matter massively where it came from at that point. Um, getting product in from overseas was increasingly challenging. Not only did the pandemic affect affect demand hugely, but also impacted on the supply chain. And getting any sorts of products in from the Far East or abroad where normally this sort of stuff's made was very, very hard. So hence why we turned to the domestic manufacturing. All the environmental and sustainable benefits we've gained from that um, I wouldn't like to say we're by mistake, but it's
0: a for me. Sometimes you're better being lucky than good, Matt. I've made a career out of it, quite frankly. Uh, let me go back and, and bring Trev back in again. So Trev, you, you spoke about going on eBay, buying a whole lot of kit. I'm presuming not everything that you wanted was available on eBay. How did you set about gaining, number one, the funding for the, the, the rest of the stuff that you needed and actually getting it?
2: We, uh, as a social enterprise, we had access to funding through uh, Social Investment Scotland. So we actually took out a short-term loan in just to cover us, so that we could actually move very, very quickly. You know, and I think one of the things about being a small business, you're able to pivot very, very quickly. Indeed, you know, we dismantled the whole of our manufacturing area. Uh, our, our landlord allowed us two other units, so that we could store the stuff, so that we could turn all of our manufacturing area into, into a bottling plant. Um, and we were, uh, and as I say, we, we were able to do that within two and a half, three weeks. So we, we actually started we were, uh, 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 within, within that period. And
0: how much support did you get from government?
2: I, th- I think, to be, to be honest, just to be able to sit at the table, you know, as a social enterprise, yeah. uh, just to be able to sit at the table was an incredible honour, uh, you know, and I think it was because uh, we are a social enterprise who are involved in manufacturing, you know, we have a mantra uh, within the work in, in Ghana, if we don't trade, nobody gets paid. And, you know, it's not a charity thing that, we are, that we're trying to establish. Uh, what we have trying to do is say, through work, through trading, we can give people dignity and... And therefore, just as a small business in such a small way, we felt very honoured to be able to sit at the table on that task force, um, you know, because of our links with and, and the work that we uh, that um, Scottish Enterprise had done, that Zero Waste uh, 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 had done with us. You know, again, we were we're just a small outfit. There was just three of us at the beginning of the pandemic. Within three weeks, there was twenty five of us. You know, it was just a phenomenal time. And throughout our whole journey. Uh, 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 as, as a social business, we've just been very honoured by the people that we've and the connections that we've been able to find.
0: And the fact that doing what you're doing has created this circular economy must gladden your heart that that you're preventing tons of plastic going to landfill.
2: Yeah, I mean, j- just this year alone, uh, we, we've 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 saved around about uh, uh, eight tons of plastic.
0: Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, um, Michael, why aren't recycling rates as good as they they can be? Where have they come from, let's say, five years ago, ten years ago? And in an ideal world, where would you see them being ten years hence?
3: It depends which country you're talking about, because clearly there's a huge amount of variation. Um, I mean, I think if you look at it globally... So, if you take sort of World Bank figures on um, what happens to all the waste that's been generated in, say, our urban areas, you know they reckon that's going to double over the next uh, sort of twenty or thirty years, Um, and. Currently about sixty percent of it, but nobody really knows for sure because this is one of the big problems. There isn't enough visibility and, and you know, there isn't enough trust in terms of that data. About sixty percent of it's still going into a hole in the ground or or or, you know, a landfill, or at worst, of course, is leaking into the environment. And of course we've all heard about ocean plastics and all of that all of that all of that narrative so there's a long way to go and 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 every year there's a report called the circularity gap report that's that, that's produced um, and it's a you know it's sort of global kind of report and and i think the last report was saying we're about 8% circular so you know 80. Eight, eight, Eight oh, percent circular, though. yeah. So, 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 so there's a huge <laughs> amount to do. So, so obviously the work the work that Tra- Trevor's doing, there's, a, there's you know there's there's a lot of really amazing stuff happening out there. Um, um, but obviously, if we want to get to a scaled circular economy, you know, if we want this thing to be really, really fundamental to you know, if you like the global economy and the way the o- economy operates in terms of materials and and our use of goods and everything else then, you know, there's still a a long way to go. And one of the things that we, one of our views is that one of the ways that can help is actually if we've got better data and better insights from that data around that system of all of that material that's being moved around both locally and and nationally and internationally. So um, I think, yeah, there's there's, there's, there's a long way to go. But I think one of the challenges to recycling rates is the fact that Number one, there isn't really that that trust in, in in the data. There isn't probably enough of that material that is really designed for to be recovered and recycled. So it's material types and and packaging types and all those kind of things. So there's a huge design challenge there as well when it comes to the circular economy. And I think you know, you've still got the problem of logistics. You know, so so we talk about logistics. I mean, you know, whether it's being reused and recovered and 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 washed and, and refilled or whether it's just being kind of recycled, you have still got to move it. So, so that there's still a role for those companies, the recyclers, and others who are that's their job. You know, their job is to move this material around. So, so there's still a big logistical challenge because number one, there's a cost to moving that material, is there not? So, there's a there's a there's a financial cost, but there's also an environmental cost to all of that movement. So, that's still a still a bit of a challenge. Uh, and I think ultimately it does come back to producer responsibility, you know, to us, uh, to households, to, to companies to take more responsibility for that material, because by doing that, you then start to ask questions about you know, why does it need to be that way? How can I reduce that material in the first place? Back to Trevor's point about the cost of, of landfilling and, and and everything else. So, so I think there's a whole basket of things that probably could change in order to increase those levels of materials recovery, reuse, and recycling.
0: Colin, this is obviously a huge success story. As I said, a, a great example of collaboration, innovation. Why? don't we know more about it? Why aren't you shouting from the rooftops? I see a ride smile on your face saying, if only, why, why don't we know, why doesn't everybody know about Trade Right International and them doing this and encourage other businesses to do likewise?
1: Yeah, so uh, this is one of the reasons why we're here today. You've got you've got to go and see uh, Trade Right International. You've got to see what they did, see what they managed to achieve. Um, this is what we're looking to replicate Uh, amongst uh, their membership, uh, wider um, business community in Scotland. Uh, We need to do more of this. We need people to see what what you can achieve, Um, particularly the fact that uh, an organisation as as small as yours had managed to do this um, against pretty much all the odds at the time, I have to say, Um, because one of the challenges that we had was the value of the the material, the the plastic bottles that people generally didn't view them as having a value. Mm -hmm. Um, They only really became a value when you couldn't get your hands on them, Uh, the scarcity of the supply of those bottles. So not only did the price go up, but you you couldn't actually get them. Uh, And this is an area we we are uh, continuously looking at in terms of materials for manufacturers. Um, The fact that the the whole um, three planets Uh, if if we continue to consume the way we're doing at the moment, we'll need three planets effectively. Okay, so. Um, if if you're going to have to find ways of recovering material, you're going to have to find ways of uh, life uh, extending the life of products, making them um, to last in the first place. Uh, and when they do become end of life, that they're they're not being landfilled. You are uh, having a mechanism to get them back. There's there's um, benefits in terms of cost, so you're not having to dispose and pay for the disposal. But uh, you can also incorporate some of those products back into your. Production as well, so your your manufacturing process. There might be a a, a circuit to get there, but um, effectively we don't want to to lose materials, and that could be anything from plastics to steel to uh, materials that will be going into batteries. Um, there's uh, such an opportunity here, um, and it's it's taking that initial step, which, Trevor's, has done, um, and uh, just recovering a recovering a bottle. The bottles are going out, they're getting uh, uh recovered, refilled and going back to it just seems natural to do that process. Um and if we can just everyone can start looking at their operation and looking to see where their opportunities are. Uh and, and that's the kind of message that we're we're trying to get across. And we will be getting across uh today hopefully and uh, people will start looking and thinking about Um, how they can make a difference as well.
0: Very definitely. Uh, Matt, if I can bring you back in, how how loudly do you shout about the the success that you've had dealing with Trev's company here? Because you you admitted you got a bit lucky with it, but can you or or, are you empowered? Do you feel you're empowered to try and encourage companies to to embrace this circular economy method?
4: We've done um, quite a bit of support, and Promotional Trev and Tradeway International with our, our, our other suppliers. We've all um, The whole industry has had a huge ramp up in demand and that therefore also had a huge increase in the demand for or the need for solutions for around recycling and reusing products. And there's an awful more focus on it now. So we've helped and supported Trev and his company and his team with access into into other suppliers that we've used and they've been using them. And I believe Trev's been talking to colleagues down south in Department of Health because they've also got similar sorts of challenges ahead of them.
0: Let me bring in Trev and find out how that's going.
2: Yeah, I think just, just to pick up one, one thing that Matt said there, I think what we need to bear in mind is the NHS, uh, Matt's involved in getting things in. You've then got a whole, the other half of the NHS is involved in getting things out. You know, most wards have got, uh, traditionally have just got two bins on, uh, a general waste and biomedical waste. And, and, th- and that's it. You know, what we've begun to introduce into, into the, when we were doing the pilot, we were getting the feedback was we're, we're introducing a third bin you know, which was f- for, the, for the empty hand sanitizer bottle. And one of the things that we've uh, spent a lot of time with uh, is helping the, the, the NHS understand that this bottle actually is like a, f- is like a fleet, like their vehicles. It's a, fleet of ve- it's a fleet of bottles that is an asset, it's a fleet asset that is going out and coming back. You know, we've worked out that uh, a bottle could last 50 times round before the label degenerates. Okay, and that's fifty savings, uh, which which when you multiply that up is 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 an awful lot. And so one of the things that we're we're, we're doing is we're helping uh, and and still in discussions with with getting the bottles out so that this the whole scheme can can, uh, can 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 be rolled out into each health board. But each health board operates slightly differently, so getting it in <laughs> is one is is. If I can put it this way, has been relatively e- the easy part. You know, getting it out, <laughs> getting them out, getting our boxes in and our collection, our collections in, uh, 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 and so forth, and then getting them out. Uh, that's now the challenge.
0: Changing behaviours. It is changing uh, behaviour,
2: you've you've also got to look at it. Is you know, as I say, the the NHS. Like most businesses, but you know, when you've got something as big as the NHS, I think you see it more starkly. It's all about getting in or getting out. It's not circular, you know. And I think one of the things that we're trying to do is stand at either end of those two lines to make it circular, and uh, that's the challenge.
0: We are all used, Colin, to this linear, linear business model. What challenges have you found when you're speaking to potential business partners about? Taking on board the circular model,
1: yeah. So it's uh, it's challenging kind of behaviours at the moment because it's how we we've always done things. So we dot the bottles, we use the bottle, dispose of the bottle. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll, from from many things, it is uh, a different uh, a different option. Um, putting it forward, seeing if uh, your client base, your customers will, will uh, embrace it, uh, which for many have, um, Blue Planet Effect had a great, uh, um, the general public had a great enthusiasm for trying to, to do something, uh, which which had a great impact. And the um, models that we, we talk about, challenges it, it is reverse logistics, getting the bottles back. That That's a huge one, it's always, doesn't matter what the product is, it's how do you get it back from the end user? Um, others is how do you finance it as well? So money, funding, it's always, always a big, uh, big issue. Um, and who pays for what? Uh, and uh, particularly when you get into the uh, larger um, models where you're, uh, instead of selling a product, you're, you know, leasing it or or or, or um, lending it or whatever uh, term you want to use. But effectively, instead of getting your uh cash in on day one you get sort of dribs and drabs over a period of time. So that these are the challenges when it comes to uh going from linear to uh circular models. Um are not insurmountable as we found. It can be done. Um you just need to try and identify what the opportunities are, bring people on board, trying to explain what you're trying to do as well, why you're trying to do it, um what the environmental impacts are and what the cost benefits can be as well, because they tend to be both there, um, as I'm sure Trevor will highlight in terms of there is a cost benefit to this as well.
0: Oh no, question! And I would imagine that that will be the carrot for a number of businesses. We'll all have watched Blue Planet; very, very effective. Michael spoke about going on holiday and seeing, yeah, flip flops, plastic waste washing up on the shore. That must trigger something. Are you having businesses knocking at your door saying, "How can you help me"?
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, p- part of that is because their customers are asking for it as well. They're asking um, what. Where does your product come from? what is it made of what what Where does it go at end of life um so those questions have been coming through uh to our companies we've been working with uh and we're trying to help them go through that process of what you could switch in, in uh, as a replacement um or how could you design it in a way that um it can be recovered reused um and uh, just just come back and it's it's quite a lot to ask. You, you've got a process as uh, Trevor was saying. They had a manufacturing um, set-up and then that setup was was changed for this process. Um, that's a lot of uh, organisational change. It's a lot of uh, physical change within a facility as well. So it, we're not saying there's going to be a lot of potential upheaval doing this, but it's what the benefits will be. So, and if you start now, you know you'll you'll get the benefits. Um, Absolutely.
0: It sounds like the, the ideal opportunity for collaboration between yourself and companies like Topolitics. And so when you get, as I I'd suggested, companies knocking at your door saying, how can you help me? Would that be a natural introduction that you would do? Well,
1: it's it's not an introduction uh, we would do day to day, I guess. Um, but um, what what I would say is that there are a lot of opportunities for, for Topolitics. There's a lot of material that uh, manufacturers have, the, the, the cutoffs, offs um, the, 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 the waste from a process as well, uh, quite often it's kind of tucked in round the back. Um, nobody really knows what to do with it. It generally gets uplifted. What would be great, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll go onto this, is um, if everybody knew where it was, because some of that material can go into a different product. Um, so if, you, if you've got offcuts that uh, might potentially go into, I don't know, a, 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 a toy, so it might be um, um, toy grade material, it could be used as stuffing instead of having to buy in the material, um, that would be an opportunity. So, uh, but the problem is generally nobody knows who's got it and it's usually in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, which is invariably sure, waste is a resource so, in the wrong place. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Now, this is where potentially, if we all knew where it was, and we had a way of mo- moving that material, the logistics, that would potentially support a lot of our waste targets and manufacturing opportunities. Well, so,
0: funnily enough, we have a gentleman who could tell us where it is, yeah. and it's up to everybody else to work out the logistics.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know,
3: going back to that, uh, the original impetus for, for, for Topolitics and why we call the platform Waste Map. you know, because you can't divorce the geography of knowing where the material is generated as a waste, where those bins are, where those offcuts are, where those byproducts are, and then where it is then being moved to you know, from actually thinking about what could we do with it? You know, so you need to understand what is, what's there and what's happening to it and where it is. And then you can start to sort of build a business case for recovering that material, reusing that material. The idea of industrial symbiosis, as Colin's talked about there, where, you know, one company's waste is another company's raw material. Mm -hmm. But clearly... The the, the the guys looking for the raw material need to know where that other other stuff is, and then they need to work out how can they collect enough of it at an economic, economically viable sort of cost, and then move it move it back into their production processes. The idea of a marketplace, so the idea of being able to sort of identify material, then then a buyer can actually come in, and so there's a whole kind of whole kind of range of different sort of interventions there, but it all starts with. Number one, knowing what what what's there and how much of it is there. Number two, having trust in that in that data because that's another sort of big challenge. about really understanding what it is and how much of it there is and how good it is in terms of its quality and everything else. Um, and I think you know, I mean, I mean, we're so we started deliberately by looking at if you like the end of the pipe, you know, so the stuff that is coming out of a sort of byproduct from a production process, for example. But but also, if you think about stuff that is being kind of reused or in some way or, or, or refilled, you know, refillable packaging, there is still a sort of challenge there to sort of, you know, come back to uh, Trevor's point about being able to report back to the customer on how many times that material has been reused. Because number one, that represents a sort of cost saving, but it's also an impact reduction as well in terms of carbon impact and, uh, and landfill. So being able to measure that, in, a, in an effective way I think it's really important to actually then encourage others to sort of start investing in the you know the, the the behavior change and maybe some processes that they need to change in order to be able to facilitate more reuse and recovery of that material
0: so if I was asked to ask you for a paragraph to to round up how you would encourage business to change that behavior to become more aware to find those, material efficiencies using waste map, how would you do it?
3: Well I think this starts with actually just taking a look at the, the problem in the first place. So actually taking another look at starting with waste, right? With your waste management, your waste management contracts and recycling, that 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 end of it, start with that because that's that there's, you know, it, everybody has everybody's generating some form of byproduct or waste from a production process. And that's a cost. You know, it's, it's a cost foregone because it's stuff, it's raw material that they've brought in, turned into product, and actually, maybe they haven't, you know, maybe they haven't been as efficient as they can be in that. So there's a there's a cost foregone, and then there's a cost to have somebody remove that material from their site. That company taking that material away is then selling that material as well. So there's a, an opportunity for for the companies themselves to do that. So to so start with that, and then once you've got that sort of built that visibility and trust. And you can then start to think about, well, actually are there are the things that we can do here, cleverer things that we can do here with this material or with processes that can actually be much more circular in that way. But it all starts with actually let's just take a look, take another look at that, at that data on that, on, on that waste because the devil is in the detail.
0: Well, absolutely. Matt, if I could uh, ask for a, a, a paragraph from you. As a, a procurement guy, if a business is listening and thinking, I'd like to supply NHS Scotland with PPE, what advice would you give them that would potentially score them higher than, than their competitors?
4: Yeah, Well, we're not like... At the moment, we've got framework for uh, PPE, which we've been unawarded we are going to be doing a new one in about a year 18 months time um it's unlikely to be for it'll be for a single supply distributor model but there is certainly there are opportunities and trevors involved with them currently to supply into that distributor to then supply us we're not, uh, we're not able or we're in a position to do individual tenders for the individual products. That becomes very, very labor intensive at our end and gives us an awful lot of suppliers to manage. But we are keen to help and support and work with any domestic production, which can then supply into our distributor.
0: Grand, thank you, uh, Trev. What advice would you give to other businesses that that are listening to this and thinking, "I'm loving what they've done," but it sounds like it's really, really tough? It, it is
2: tough, but I think that the, the, it's the excitement, the adrenaline that when you know you, you've got an, a germ of an idea and you've got people who say, "Actually, that is quite a good idea." You know, run with it. Um, And I think that's just the thing. If you've got an idea and, you you know, if it's saving the planet, if if it's doing all this social good as well as uh, all these other things, then run with it, go with it.
0: Good. Okay. It's obviously very right on, but if if I'm a businessman and I'm thinking I could make money out of this, I come to Zero Waste Scotland, what advice are you going to give me?
1: Uh, I guess uh, you've got to be in it for the right reasons. Of course. Um, And uh, any, any kind of ideas that you would have... Clearly, we want to have a, a discussion about it, seeing where the impact's going to be. We're really looking for uh, carbon savings. Uh, there is an element as well where um, it's interesting where the original bottles came from. Um, so more often than not, they'll be imported as well. So there's a, there's a carbon a carbon impact from that as well. So you know, when you close that loop, you're 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 taking away that impact as well. Um, uh, and I think uh, from from discussions you know we we, we had with uh, Trevor at the time and the excitement is there when you see an opportunity and Trevor's he phoned up and said oh, I found a machine I found a machine <laughs> that it, it, it can it, we can use for this process um, and it's going okay how much is the machine um, and it's just trying to get everyone on board as well I think that was part of it um, and. It, I think everybody kind of leaned in as well. You got a lot of support from the, the, the that manuf- the manufacturers as well. I mean, just because it was COVID, everybody was just wanting to find a way forward. Um, you know, just everyone getting back to their uh, day-to-day lives as well. I think that's, um, uh, particularly with the, the bottles as well where we've seen um, just been asked why do we why do we bin these you know why are we doing that um, and you know the, the staff were on board as well um, and uh, you know colleagues at uh, NHS and uh, Scottish Government and just uh, everyone that was on those calls originally all just looking for a way forward uh, as well so um, if you've got an idea share the idea um, and um, just just think on, on what the impacts are, what the benefits are. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the bottles were, ju- were just great. It was just, um, it was great to be part of it. It was great to be part of it.
0: What we've heard is a journey involving great support, collaboration, and ultimately success. Michael, Colin, Matt, Trev, thank you all very much. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.